Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast where a bunch of writers sit around, drink coffee, and talk about writing, publishing, and the whole creative process. We do not censor ourselves, so consider us PG-13. Your hosts today are John Schmidt and me, Jeannie Warner. This is episode 110, interview with Isabel Hardesty. Welcome, Isabel. Thank you for having me. Oh, I am so delighted to reach out and chat with you. You have uh, written four books, a trilogy, and you have a new one that has just come out a little bit. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm originally from Miami, and uh, my background is visual arts. I was an art teacher for a long time, and uh, my husband and I would always go to Dragon Con. um, And I found myself in the writing tracks a lot. I would do the other tracks because I'm a nerd, but I would find myself in the high and some of the lower rooms, just in the same writer's group uh, tracks. And uh, one day there was a call for an anthology and I actually applied. I I actually dared to apply. Uh, Originally, maybe I wouldn't have. I would have thought, oh, that's for someone else. But I dared to apply and it taught me how to finish a work. Please tell me, what is the name of that anthology? Oh, it is Legends of the Dragon. I believe paperbacks are available. I don't know if publishing continued. I think there was a glitch or something. But um, yes, after that, that short story, I took that short story and I created it into a novella. And then I made it into a trilogy based on um, Jade Delacorte. And she's half shapeshifter, half fairy. And those are the parameters for the anthology. They gave us a selection of wonderful characters to choose from, like a werewolf, a shapeshifter fairy. And uh, I didn't understand. Like at first I was like, what? 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 But I made it work. How did you get from, you've written a short story. It's a beautiful little polished gem all by itself to this could be more. When did you know it was a novella? And when did you suddenly realize that, oh dear, I have a whole series. What, where in the world building did that realization come for you? Um, when the characters wouldn't let me go. Uh, after the short story, I had just more that was just more ideas. So um, I just, I dared, um, meaning knowing that I could, if I could finish my short story, surely I could finish a novella. So I um, created an outline and I just then added the pieces that I felt that were coming, coming out. And I just kind of gave it some structure and that helped me. And then I realized, okay, I have two more that I can do as well. So then I had to get the um, outline, the full story and then kind of chop it up. So I was able to create my trilogy. Did you then incorporate your short story into it or was the short story a standalone and then the novella came afterwards or? I I guess. Thank you. That's a great question. I actually incorporated it in and then I continued it, continued the story. So I ended it in a perfect place to be continued. Right. And did it, was it your first chapter or did you discover that there was more before it? Did you have to write a little bit of prequel or? I did not do a prequel, but I kind of do have an idea of a spinoff from it, from like the evil fairy queen. She, this idea comes to me. So I do have another something that would be afterwards. But no, I don't have a prequel, which, but I could do a prequel. And the, the book is, is touted as a YA fantasy romance. Yes. Uh, so odd question for you. Did you settle with a standard romance trope or, oh, I have to ask the question, are you a pantser? I'm sorry, are you uh, uh, someone who plots their own course through the world, 
flitting from tree to tree like a wild butterfly, <laughs> or you plotter? Um, I like to do both, but I, I find that if I if I flit too much around, it just starts to get panicky for me, like a little bit like, oh my gosh, I don't know where I'm going with this. So I do have a, a little bit of both, but the outline keeps me grounded because I do have a tendency just to go too far out. So I do need to be grounded, tethered down a bit in a good way to then um, to then make sure I go in and add attention and detail to different areas and explore different areas a bit more fully as opposed to just going, oh, a bird and just like flying all everywhere. Do you find that like say you've written a summary of chapter six and chapter six is in which we enlist allies, for instance, and somebody gets a message. Do you, Have you ever gotten to chapter six and said, okay, I need something completely different to happen here. <laughs> um, yes, I have done a little bit of that, but I do feel like when I follow the format, it helps me better. Um, so, but I might do a twist or something that's interesting, but then I'll make sure to fully um, explore the concept of the messenger or the, the message. So drilling down a little more being yeah. uh do you have a particular tool set you like to use are you a scrivener fan do you swear oh, at or buy microsoft word i originally was a scrivener person which i still love and i have it and i've updated it but um it felt for me like i wanted to learn more about it and i realized i was getting distracted and it felt limiting like visually limiting i don't know if it's a visual artist in me but it felt visually um like I was in a box. I know that's bizarre. No, so, um, no, that makes yeah. perfect sense. Please go on. So do you yeah. still use Scrivener or do you have your homebrew or what do you do? Um, I have I have Scrivener. Sometimes I'll start off on Scrivener a little bit and then I'll just copy paste it all into Word. And what I do is I'll go in to each chapter, which is a little time consuming, but it helps me. I'll go in and I'll highlight each word, each chapter beginning, chapter one, and I'll make it bold size like 48 and I go through the whole thing. This way it helps me with my um, page count. So I'm able to just look and I do a multiple pages on Word. And this way I'm able to say, okay, I've got 10 pages here, 17 pages here, what's going on? And I'm able to then balance it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going retro, but it helps me um, see everything. And I, one of the things that I loved is a theme way across both of the trilogy and this new book that you have out is your idea of, of princesses that anyone can be a princess unbeknownst to them, like from a fairy queen to a lead witch. And I love that because it seemed that for years we had, well, the boy was secretly a prince. And once he got the right. magic widget, I like that there's a girl point of view and that, you know, girls need to struggle with ethical challenges too. Yes. And thank you um, for Jay, for um, Juliet, Mariana Fontaine, who is the lead in um, almost yeah, and a lead witch in the witch of Belfleur. She's half healer witch and half destroyer witch once she accepts her role as a witch. And um, yeah, I wanted to give her power and I wanted her to struggle with a lot of things that sometimes we see um, male struggle with like good and bad. And I wanted her to just be a fully realized person with the doubts and the confidence, but also with her age. And, you know, this doesn't matter really what your age is, but the doubts of oneself, can I do it? And, uh, I, I got to say, I was I was reading it, and there was something that made me 
snicker just a little bit because she had the standard, I hate being lied to, I hate being lied to. And, I, and all I could think of was, oh, girlfriend, you have lied to so many people so far in this book. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and right. that was just a, that I, I think for me, I, I know in a way it might upset somebody else, but for me it was, it perfectly said that, wow, she is a teacher, a teenager. Right. Very exactly. definitely there with, you know, inaccurate views of the world and a very, I call it, she had not yet learned how to do any navel gazing to discover any deeper truths about herself, but that comes later. Yes, it does. And um, so in book two, there's a lot of, a lot of her life that gets changed, like put upside down. So she'll have to learn a lot and uh, kind of grow up a little bit in book two. Well, so you've started book two. Yes, I have. I have. How do you go about beginning a story? What's what's your okay? I'm gonna I'm moving on here. I didn't get it all told. How do you begin? Um, I begin with the unanswered questions, and uh, then still looking at the full story arc. So, um, and the characters, and I've I've introduced some new characters as well. So I, I go into my my outline format, and I just outline it, and I just remind myself like the short story that I started years ago. Like if I finish the other one, I can finish this. Surely I can finish this. And, <laughs> I, I um, love that you're echoing what many, many writers have said. Well, put your butt in the seat and write it. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. It's like, if you can do this, you can do that. Right. So I just, you know, it's not that glamorous, but you just sit down and do it. Yeah. Do you set yourself page quotas or how do you, how do you measure your success? Word quotas? Um, I try to, but with my four-year-old, wonderful son. Well, little chaos marauders, yeah. Yeah, And like right now, he's not really napping so much. And uh, Mm. so, yeah. Mm. So um, I do that when I can. But um, yeah, but it is basically just sit down and do it anyway. Somehow you have to incorporate him into the process of your creativity and, you know, do all these things because... It has to get done. Is there is there a lot of creativity right around nap time, or is that <laughs> is that oh, more universal yeah. because everybody's tired by then? I know, yeah, definitely a lot of creativity. Then in the evening, there's creativity, and I have to get myself back up to waking up in the morning early because I have to get back to it. Yeah, but um, yeah, and you just you know don't really have that luxury of waiting for inspiration or like I'm gonna wait until the sun just comes in so through the windows. You know, I just have to get it done. Yeah. What is what has changed for you as you have start this fit your fifth book, so the sequel to the uh, Witch of Belfleur? What has changed for you? Do you find it harder or easier as you go? Um, I find it both. I guess it's easier. Some of the um, tech, technical things that I may have not known before that I feel a little bit more familiar with. It's nice. It's you know I don't have like I understand the concept before. I was like I googled like. What does a chapter look like and how long should a chapter be? Um, (laughs) All these questions, like all these things you don't know or you overthink it. No, no, it's beautiful. We're we're laughing because how many times we've looked up the fact that we we showed another episode. You can look and say, how many words does it take to be a YA book or a fantasy book or any of these things? And I'm laughing because I... recently went through a bookstore flipping through YA books looking for a similar one so I could see chapter sizes versus age you know and then YA covers such a large demographic and then I found to my horror um, with a reading group I'm in that I actually dislike a lot of YA I love a lot of YA but I stumbled into the YA where I'm like 
oh my God, I'm reading about teenagers again. Ah, oh, right. What's going on? Ah. Yeah. And you want to like throw the book down, but you're like, I don't really want to throw this one, but yeah, it's so vast. And, um, then there comes a point when you realize as you're Googling things, you're like, um, I kind of know the answer, but this is a boy. Is this a great way to get distract myself? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. writing, just, keep, just stay on target, keep writing. Button exactly. Share. Exactly. And I remember I used to be on Twitter more to like, quote unquote, I don't know what I was doing. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. I'm going to be on Twitter uh, to like following oh, hashtag writing community. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, until I read this awesome quote from a, a new writer, she goes, I kind of think that all the writers, the seasoned writers tell us to get on Twitter so we can be distracted and not finish our books. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, that's smart. But I, I mean, I'll. Twitter's good, though, I think, if someone's looking to do, like, the Twitter contests. like uh, and, and also get some sense of community. Writing is an incredibly isolated thing most of the time. There's a lot more connection available now. Exactly. Like the 5am uh, writing club and hashtag am writing. It's nice to know that if you're up at 3 in the morning writing, someone else is, too. It is. It is. It's, you know, not quite so lonely, even though you are always alone. Right, exactly. So you are from Miami, correct, it says. And you are, it, it is wonderful to see people that are bringing their own heritage and their own background and flavor into more mainstream books now. And this is really exciting for me. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I love it. Um, let's see. I do, I was talking to my sister about this today, uh, that when I saw like Princess, Princess and the Frog, Mm-hmm. I watched it with my niece uh, years ago, and I remember, like, watching with tears in my eyes going, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. I see a person of color on screen as lead in a Disney film. That's fabulous. In a and princess. a princess. I mean, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was, it was exciting. So, yeah, um, you know, for the cover, for The Witch of Belle Fleur, you know, you can do any cover, of course. It could have right. been, I could have done something. I was thinking, like, what am I going to do? Like, something generic and beautiful like hunger games ish where it's just maybe like something abstract or i figure they just took a picture of you and and put the palms in full moon there so yeah oh thank you <laughs> but, um, i worked with someone and then they uh came up with this and so see yeah. I, I wouldn't have been shocked if you told me you did it you you actually have a background in art visual right? art yeah so I, so i worked with someone who worked on the uh font for me I then did uh, the graphic, like the mod, the model I, I did. Um, yeah, so I did a lot of it, but someone did help with wording and then the background and the palm trees I did. Yeah. Yeah. So you did design. <laughs> so you did design. Yeah, sure did. <laughs> that's, sure did. that's awesome to be able to have that, that creative control to say, this is my image. And yeah. then you can work with somebody who's better at book covers, but you still have your artistic vision. Yeah. And that's really neat. Yeah, and it's nice to know that um, depending on your budget or lack thereof, you can get things done as a self-published author, and um, you can, yeah. Well, you don't what, is, what is your editing and input process? I mean, there's a lot of people, some people swear by their beta readers, some people merely swear at the idea of beta readers. and Some people use it? professional editors, some people yeah. run it through their writing groups. Right, know. so yeah, I'm learning more about beta readers now. Um I guess after the fact, Um, but I used a professional editor and uh, I loved that process because I felt, especially for my first three books, I felt like I was um, being kind of just 
helped because I, I needed yeah. some help. She was fabulous. And uh, now going forward, I'm going to, I have some amazing readers that are part of my newsletter that I've, that I love and mm-hmm. I trust mm-hmm. them, but I still, I'm always going to go with an editor as well. But I, I mean, I think I'm still learning the the value of beta readers and they're fabulous and right. each person has their own special superhero power. So, you know, it's up to us to actually use them and, you know, that is the truth. And, and sometimes I just like having an extra reader look at it and say, Oh, did, did they get the basic theme of it? Because sometimes what's in my brain does not necessarily make it to the page. So it's super good to have somebody say, you know, this is contradictory to that over there. You clearly were thinking about something and then came back to it and were thinking about something else. And yeah. yeah. And it's nice that they, that they care about the book and the story. So that's fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. And have you ever thought of uh, joining one of the, I know if you're looking online, there's, there are writing groups and there's people that uh, we the circle critiques. I'm along in a couple oh, I, where, where, where you bring your stuff in and then uh, folks go over it with you. Like, Ooh, this one doesn't really work. Or I see this is clearly an allegory for the worker, you know, being put down by the man. Like that, that wasn't what it was at all. So, you know, it's good. It's good and bad. Some people hate them. Some people swear by them. Again, I think I started it um, as a, like part of myself was like, I'm going to do this. And then um, I realized that I was doing it because I was scared. So knowing my personality, I stopped because I knew that I was never going to finish. This was, I believe, before Jade's Awakening came out. Right. So I was, um, I started like a, I was starting my own little community kind of, but I just didn't know what I was doing. So it, I backed out of it. But I think now, I think I would be more inclined to use it, knowing that I'm not going to then use it as a, an excuse not to continue writing. Right. Yeah. Are Are you tied into any of the writing groups in Seattle in your new, sorry, the Pacific Northwest where you now live? I don't know where you live. Not, not yet, but I know that it's fabulous here because of the gift of last year, things were not, you know, as easy, (laughs) but I know some people call it the panini. Um, um, Yeah. So I know that there's like um, a treasure trove to be, to be uh, discovered. discovered. Yeah. Yeah. Unearthed. Yeah, totally unearthed. Big time. Thank I you. thought that your prose had a very visual style. It was one of the things that I liked that mm-hmm. you you draw very clear pictures. Thank you. And there's part of me that wondered in part of it because there was there was only one scene that I thought was that might have been a little money, but it's like I could see it so clearly if it had been filmed. Oh, this is my dream. And so that was my question of, have you ever tried to write the same thing, go back and say, I'm going to do this as a screenwriter? Because I have actually created a pilot for this story, The Witch of Belfleur, and I have it on Coverly and Stage 32, I believe. And um, so I, I actually, last year, I was I was part of like a smaller, writer, smaller writer's group, um, and this man who I think I just had met online at that moment said, Oh, something about cover, f- cover fly. And I thought he said, no, what was it? I don't even know. Um, <laughs> screen, screen craft. Yes. And I thought he said screen craft, screen cast with an S. So I didn't even know how to Google it. Cause I was totally going the wrong route. Right, right. But when I discovered screen cast, screen craft, excuse me, with an F um, I then found um, a competition and I applied and then um, earlier this year, I did 
get feedback, positive feedback from someone that I was like, oh my goodness. So yeah, we are, you know, nothing's developed yet, but I would love to be able to email you guys and say, oh my goodness. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, could, I could really see that. As I said, it's, I, I think you have the right vision to bring things to a screen because yeah. you, you, the way you move between the idea of people's faces and ideas, it becomes very, it's like, I could see this being filmed. And that's what I, one of the things that I liked. Thank you. Thank you. I um, also, as, I, as I wrote, I wasn't sure about certain descriptions because I didn't want to do the cliche thing like, oh, they're ivory skin or they're brown skin, because that's one of I, I did that a few times, but I didn't want to get sto- so stuck into describing people in a way that I was just tired of. Right. I did mm-hmm. want to describe people in a way that was fresh and uh, I don't know, I guess modern and uh, authentic. I don't know, but, but thank you. Well, exactly. And I, I went to a fantasy con and, and after they, you get the big bag full of books and I went through and threw out anything that described boobs or butts within the first five pages. I hear you. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> because first of all, that tells me something about the writers. First of all, yeah, they're all men. Uh, male gaze, male gaze, male gaze. <laughs> and to me, it meant that, you know, this is probably not going to go very deep into any ideas or themes. Uh, or she's a deep Male gaze, male gaze. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever read Kate Elliott's magnificent essay on omniscient breasts, but if you haven't, oh, you, uh, you got to Google it and find it because it, it is all about the white male gaze that's assumed right. to be, you know, white, heterosexual, non, um, not in any way uh, crippled or right. uh, ableist, ableist cis, yeah. Yeah. Cis all the way through. And, and that anybody who breaks with that needs to break with it consciously and yeah. deliberately because yes. there's there was somebody that was mad at her for it was a female looking at a guy and described how very sexy he was and his hands the long oh, lines of his the long fingers mm. and and this guy was very mad at her for advancing the male agenda i mean the gay agenda and the she's homosexual like, agenda yeah but, but it was a female character. Like, exactly. why, why are we not allowed to look upon men with desire? Because he could exactly. not figure out it was a female character, though. Yes. So hey. that's interesting because, yeah, for The Witch of Fleur, it starts off with Juliet's behind her gorgeous uh, best friend, Victor. And she's just like watching the sweat trip down his neck. And so it's it's a very sensual scene. She, she does watch him sweat a fair bit. I did notice that as a, yes, a, a light motif. Wait, wait, like. this was written at Dragon Con? So it's no, Atlanta no. weather? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah right. So this one, yeah. This one was uh, for the Witch of Elfor, which I started off actually in Georgia, but I finished it in the Seattle area. But, uh, yeah. I also, by the way, in your blog part, I love that you included a mango batido recipe. And oh, yeah. I just want to think, I thought it's clever marketing for those that are out there um, self-publishing their own groups and thinking about marketing. This was genius, people. It is very clever to take a bit of your book, blog about it, and create recipes. Like Chaz did it for his you know, school on Mars and to bring a, this is a drink that your heroine would like. I think that helps engagement, especially with younger folk. Thank you. I'm trying to do anything. I think that might have been my sister's idea, but I'm not sure. But yeah, All ideas, wherever they come from, are great. <laughs> exactly. All ideas, they really are. But um, I wanted to make it fun. Um, you know, when my, my idea for writing the book was, I want when someone reads this book to just bring them joy. Yeah. That's pretty much it. 
just to make them laugh or, you know, just swoon or whatever the case is to dream, to dare. But that's what my idea was. So yeah, I tried to keep it fun and light also my blog, but as much as I can relate it back to my story. Yeah. Stories. And here's a, here's a world building question because both of these have to do with magic in one way or another. How deeply in your head have you figured out how magic works? Is it a wave it and it just sort of works thing or have you figured out some of the metaphysics and, and things around it? Um, I, I have fun with it. I don't go that deep with it, but um, I believe it's there and it's strong. Um, I think um, I'm working on another project, which goes a little bit deeper with magic. Um, we do have spells in this book, which are mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. And uh, portals with the Juliet. Oh, I liked the teleporting thing, and I would like to be able to do that right now because that would ease my COVID problem a whole lot. No, me too. Where would you where would you where would you teleport to? Australia. My friend's getting married this weekend and I can't be there. Hi Vic, I love you. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, I don't know where I'd I'd probably teleport early to a Dragon Con. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I'm excited about being a panelist. Oh, and Ooh. tell us about your panel. Tell us about the panel. Oh, I don't know what panel it's gonna be yet, but I did get in touch with some people, some of the track directors. I think I'm probably gonna be on a Buffy panel for um, talking about different seasons, but that is not, so that's exciting. So I've been watching season seven. Um, Let's see what else. I'll be on some of the writer tracks, which is fabulous because I was sitting down watching these writers earlier. Absolutely. Yeah, it's wonderful. Oh, I went and argued mostly, but mine was more of the scientific part of saying, okay, um, as you write all these things about security, I think it is wise to be aware of when you're making stuff up versus not treading on something that's real and not trying to tell somebody something's real when it's not. And I think there's more fluidity in the world of fantasy that way. Oh yeah. Um, Your magic of healing and then your magic of destruction. It's beautiful. They're nicely balanced. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. Um, Yes. And I love the characters and the magic and the problems that come with the magic. So that's, it's pretty exciting when you start, Opening up a little door, it's interesting to see the other doors and pathways that are interconnected. Yeah. You're going to end up writing more books if you keep walking down these <laughs> paths, you know. I, I know. I know. I I just, I literally went to the beach with my husband and son. Uh, I think, was it yesterday? It was yesterday. And I picked up a rock, just a rock, and it gave me an idea for a story. And I'm like, no, I have, but it's a good <laughs> idea. So, Do you? Do you, do you get distracted and say, oh, this is a short story dying to happen, and where do I fit this in? Yeah, I know. I just want some more time, but I have other ideas, but it's it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> right, right. Are you, you, are you thinking about Agent Quest and representation, or are you thinking maybe that's more of a screenwriter direction, or what, what's your f- future goals for yourself as a writer? Um, I would love to be represented. Um, I did, let's see. I did have three book offers for The Witch of Belle Fleur, and one I turned down because um, I did some more research on them. I found them via Twitter, and I just did some research, and it said they don't allow, like, I think, a gay main character. So I was like, okay, bye. Yeah, yeah. Come on. (laughs) So, yeah. The other one I said no to because they were small. Not small is not bad at all, but I just thought, well, I can get those reviews on my own 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I said, you know what? I'm going to pass. The last offer for The Witch of Belfleur was also a small publisher, which I was excited about. And um, I then got an agent after the fact. And I still couldn't sleep that night. I was, it was, there's so many questions. And I thought it was maybe, I just couldn't be settled with it. So I just said no. Right. It wasn't right for me. Um, and uh, so now, so then I just said, okay, this is when you know it, girl. Just you have to self-publish this and get the story out. So yeah. That's yeah. Absolutely. Any, any final thoughts you would give to somebody who wants to be a writer? Maybe start small with a sm- small story if it helps you finish it and know that you can finish and then share it and be brave you, to be a creative person in any respect. You have to be brave. And it's worth it. Oh, it's so worth it. (laughs) We will put links to Isabel's stories and the other interesting things we mentioned on the website, which is www.writersdrinkingcoffee.com. You can also find us on Facebook or Twitter. We answer email. Isabel, okay, if we just publish all of your links out there too, will you answer questions for people? Oh, definitely. Most definitely. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Writers Drinking Coffee, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the hosts. Our main web support magic is brought to you by Deirdre Schween, and our sound engineer and backup web spider is David Welsh. Our intro music is Pretty Maid Milking a Cow, and our exit music is Breakfast with a Morning Person, both by Michael Engberg. You can hear more from Michael Engberg on ManyHatsMusic.com. Our podcast sponsors are The Bean Scene in Sunnyvale and Jackal Designs out of Australia, enabling you to buy cool WDC swag like our 100 Episodes t-shirt. And hey, thanks so much for listening.